0: Well, let's uh, take our Bibles tonight, go to 1 Samuel 17, and we'll look at verse number 41 and following 1 Samuel 17. I, too, want to say thank you to Miss uh, Jackie and all the workers of Peewee. Great job, the young people. I love, I love to see them sing. I mean, there's a lot of energy up here on this platform at that time. and uh, But they funnel it into singing and saying those verses, and so uh, thank you for the weekly work that goes into that and in preparation. It's, uh, it's encouraging. I enjoy it. That's good. Okay, uh, we're going to kill a giant tonight. What do you think? Amen? Finally, right? 1 Samuel 17, verse 41. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. I mean, even if David were fighting the armor bearer, that would have been a challenge. Because he's a man and David's a stripling as the text is referring to him here, a youth, a young man. But he's not fighting the armor bearer, he's fighting Goliath. And when the Philistine, verse 42, looked about, <laughs> can you imagine? He's looking about, now who am I supposed to fight? Oh, you? Maybe it wasn't like that, but you've got to use your imagination, right? There's a lot of opportunity right here. When he looked about and saw David. The Bible says he disdained him for he was but a what? Youth. I want you to notice how many different times we we're talking about the youth conference. I want you to notice how many times it mentions youth or young man and ruddy and of a fair countenance. He wasn't a warrior. He was, um, he was a young man a fair countenance. And the flishing said unto David, My dog that you come? comest to me with staves. And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. You're as good as dead, David. Then said David to the Philistine, verse number 45, thou comest to me with the sword and with the spear And with the shield but I come to thee in the name of the Lord, of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. (laughs) And all he had was a stick. How's he going to do that? I'm not sure he had that plan figured out, but that's all right. You don't have to have it all figured out at the time. He says, I'll take your head from you. And I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day unto the foul. Not, not just yours, but all the hosts of the Philistines. And to the wild beasts of the earth that, and here's the main point, really, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. This had a global impact. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. It came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran, did you notice that, and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it <laughs> and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead. Almost like it went into water. Like a rock going into water. But I mean, it's his forehead. Are you not enjoying this? Are you not enjoying this? This is good stuff right here. Mercy. And he fell upon his face. Please notice that. He fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood upon the Philistine. If you never heard Bill Marshall preach on this passage, you need to, you need to, you're, am I right, Brother Seth? That's, that's, uh, he's the pastor in Brother Seth's home church. Oh, mercy sakes alive. He gets on. <clears throat> okay, where are we at? Yeah, oh yeah, he's on the Philistine. And took, all, and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. <laughs> and the men of Israel and of Judah rose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until thou uh, come to the valley and to the gates of Ekron and they, and the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way to uh, Shirarim, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. About 10 miles they chased them, and, and dead Philistines were just scattered everywhere. And unto the children of Israel were turned from ch- chasing after the Philistines, and they spoiled their tents. And notice this, verse 54. If you've got a weak stomach, you, you might cover your ears, but... And David took the head of the Philistines and brought it to Jerusalem and he put his armor in his tent. Now, verse 55 is a little bit of a uh, flashback. It's, It's prior to the battle. If you notice verse 55, and when David saw, well, I'm sorry, when Saul saw David go forth against the Philistine, he said unto Abner, the captain of the host, Abner, whose son is this youth that we just sent into the battle? Who is this? Who's fighting for us? you think the king might know that. Who is this that's fighting for us? And Abner said, as thy soul liveth, O, o king, I, I can't tell. And the king said, inquire thou whose son this stripling is. And as David returned from the slaughter, so it's now back to real time. And as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. And Saul said to him, Whose son art thou? Thou what? Young man. man. And David answered, I'm the son of thy servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. No one special, just a young man that had a zeal for God. Uh, Tonight I want to challenge you to look beyond what you see. Look beyond what you see. In a sense, I'd like to tie into the fact that we just had the youth conference. So this certainly does not just apply to young people, but here we have a young man that took his place on the battlefield. And I, I'd like to, for us to consider the type of vision or outlook of young people that'll save a nation. Because right here, God used a young man. Did you hear that young people? God used a young man that had zeal for God to save a whole nation. The type of young people that could save a nation. The vision and outlook of young people. But let's broaden that to all of us. The vision that really we ought to have uh, when a nation needs revival. And look beyond, look beyond what you see. Look beyond what you see. You may be seated as we get into it here tonight. May God help us and bless the reading and the preaching of his word here. Just leaving the uh, bus meeting yesterday, Brother Ken Taylor was uh, visiting with me. We were talking about David and Goliath, and David in particular, rather, and about the age of David. He said, you know, Brother Jason, I know you mentioned about what age David was and and, uh, that he was a young man. He said, do you know how young the youngest? Mellow of Honor recipient was. And I, I said, Brother Ken, I, I don't know. I don't know the story. And so he was telling me something about it. So obviously I looked it up. Um, now there's one that was in, in the Civil War that actually was younger. I think he was 12 years old. Can you imagine this? A 12-year-old. Well, who's, tw- who's 12? Who's 12 years old? you 12 years old, Garrett? 12 years old. Can you imagine going to battle? Whew, no. Uh-uh. Paintball? Yes. Not real war, right? 12 years old, fighting in a battle. But Jack Lucas, Jack Lucas um, was born 1928 in Plymouth, North Carolina. And um, he was always big for his age. Well, when he heard about Pearl Harbor and what happened there, he wanted to do something for his country. A lot of young men his age, he, at the time he was 14 years old. How many of you are 14? 14 years old. Raise your hand right now. Uh, 14 years old. R- real high. 14, Daniel. 14 years old. Okay, good. Nick, 14 years old. Is that right? 14. All right. 14 years old. A lot of people your age at that time in World War II, you know, they were doing what they could to scrap metal and do some other air raid um, practices and so forth. They were doing what they could. Age 14... Uh, this young man named Jack Lucas forged his mom's signature. I'm not saying that's what you ought to do. I'm saying that's what he did. He forged his mom's signature to join the Marine Corps at age 14. He had just got out of the eighth grade. Remember, he's a big old boy for his age, but nonetheless, he was 14 years old, just about to turn 15, uh, but just came out of the eighth grade and went to boot camp at Paris Island, South Carolina. Well, uh, when the Marine Corps found out how old he actually was, because you're supposed to be 17, I think it was back then. I'm not 100% sure even on that, but I know for sure you weren't supposed to be 14 and 15. Uh, they didn't send him home, but they assigned him to drive in a truck in Hawaii. Well, he didn't want to sit out in safety. He didn't want to sit out the war in safety. So he actually stowed away aboard USS Duel, a transport ship that was bound for Iwo Jima. By this time now, he was, he was just, in fact, I think, yes, at, at, in 1945, on February the 14th, he turned 17 while en route to Iwo Jima fought uh, in the second days as far as the landing he didn't do the first uh, first day of landing, but he joined in with the 26th um, company of the Marine Corps and went into battle. He was in a in a trench along with two other buddies, his rifle jammed and while he's trying to clear the jam, he saw a grenade, cast his body on the grenade, took another grenade that was in there and, and brought it under his body and pushed it down in that volcanic type ash as far as he could. The grenade went off and it blew him backwards. I think it was about 200 different pieces of metal that filled his body the guys that were there in the trench with him. Now, mind you, he's 17 years old, and it blew him back. His buddies thought that he was dead, so they went on in battle. But some of the corpsmen came, and they they recognized that he was still moving his finger. They transported him, you know, by uh, by stretcher, and he made his way back to a hospital. And later that year in October, I believe it was, that Harry Truman uh, recognized him with a Congressional Medal of Honor, age 17. But he was just in the eighth grade when he said, or getting out of the eighth grade when he said, I've got to do something about this. Well, here's a young man named David out there on the battlefield. I mean, really, that's a boy among men. Isn't that right? But here's what David said. How can we sit back? How can we sit by here when there's so much that needs to be done? How how can we sit here when, when there's a giant out on that battlefield that's defying the armies of the living God? Hey, I don't think David got into this battle because he was just looking for an adventure. Now, I know a lot of young men that are just looking for an adventure, right? There's a lot of young men that just have a lot of zeal, maybe not much knowledge. But here's what David knew. David knew that this giant was defying the armies of the living God. He was defying God. And, and David heard that, the taunting of the giant, and he saw the size of the giant, and all that the other Israelites could see was just the size of the giant. And all the Israelites even saw, all that they could see about David was his inexperience and his size and how much smaller he was than Goliath. But David saw something that day, and, and what he saw and what he heard bothered him. Hey, by the way, what's going on in our country and, and, and the way that our God is being defied, it ought to bother us. It ought, to, it ought to concern us. And, and so according to the law, according to Leviticus, chapter number 24, I believe it is, in verse number 17, that if anybody blasphemes God, whether they are of Israel or whether they are a stranger to Israel, they're outside of the Israelites. If they blaspheme God, they need to be stoned. And David saw to it that he was stoned. You follow that? I mean, here, here's this young man. I mean, it, the odds are stacked against him. I, I measured this with my phone this morning, and and if I did the measurement right, you know, I mean, these panels here. You know, I'm I'm maybe five foot ten. I used to be five foot eleven, I think, or five twelve, something like that. But nine foot, you know, is nearly at the top of that gray where the gray begins to change to the brown. If my phone was right, you know, in the measurement deal on your phone, if I did that right, then that's about right. You know, I think about it, maybe a little bit shy of that. But, I mean, nine foot tall, say David's five foot tall, then there's a four foot difference there. That's huge. But Stephen, how tall are you? I thought so. Could you stand up? Six, seven. Okay. Uh, Garrett, how tall are you? Five, two, something like that. But Stephen, you mind come here? And Garrett, you're ready for battle. Come on up. So right, let's, let's have you over here, Garrett. And uh, Mr. Stephen, if you don't mind, come up here. Six, seven, right? Okay, young man. And actually, it, it says that David was ready. That probably means that he was redheaded. So, I mean, kind of something like that. I mean, so this is perfect. All right. And uh, I'm just, I mean, you know, it said that David was a fair countenance. And it didn't say that about Goliath. Can you imagine, okay, so draw into battle here, all right? We're going to, you know, this is a big fight and it's going to go on. We're going to interview both of them, right? I mean, look at this. So you're 6'7". 6'7", 5'2", somewhere right there, maybe, something like that. Okay, how do you think this is going to go? Who do you think is going to win? Okay, most of you are saying, Garrett, what's the deal? <laughs> what is that? He can, he, can you <laughs> he can outrun you. That's true. That's very true. Okay, look. I mean, this is, here it is. I mean, this is not even proportionately exactly how it was with David and Goliath. But I think you can get an idea. I mean, here's a man. And here's a young man. Right? 14 years old. Is that what you told me? 12. Oh, yeah, 12. Yeah, sorry, 12. Yeah. 12 years old. How? <laughs> This doesn't look like it's going to go in his favor at all. Can you imagine that day? This young man came out on the battlefield. And he's taunting him. And he says, I want to feed your flesh to the birds, son. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) complete. (laughs) with the breaking of the knuckles there. He's bringing it, drawing the line to the sand. Oh, this is, it's getting on. (laughs) Garrett's getting ready. We're about to have a throwdown right here. So, okay, this is going much further than I thought it was going to. So, I mean, really, folks, this this is, can can we say this? Can we agree on this? Humanly speaking, this is an impossible situation. I mean, really, this this is an impossible situation. Situation. Thank you, gentlemen. You may be seated before you get into it. Okay. So, (laughs) man, this is impossible. And so look, look at what Goliath said again. If you would just look back at your Bibles here. And, and, and so he disdained him. That means that he disrespected him. He's just a youth. And he says, am I a dog? I mean, here's David. He's got a staff. By the way, Saul had told David, well, why don't you wear my armor? Because you need to be like all the other kings that's in this area. But in fact, Israel, they wanted a king that was like all the other kings, these great warriors. Well, their great warrior was hiding out in a tent. And so Saul said, here, you better take my armor and you better wear what kings wear when they go to battle. And so David put it on, but he couldn't wear it. He hadn't tried that. He hadn't proved it. And and, and so listen, by the way, when you try to fit in with the world that's around you, you're not ready for the battle that's in life. And David wasn't, he said, I can't go that way. Here's how he went. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go and be the person that God made me to be. I'm going to go and I'm going to look like a shepherd. And so David went out there on that battlefield, and I don't think he looked more like Abraham or Moses or or more like you know one of the other shepherds of Israel. He looked like a he looked like just a regular old guy. And and so there he is out there on that battlefield. There's Goliath that's standing on that other side of the of the valley, and he's in brass. I mean, he's got the the helmet on. He's got you know the the metal on his legs and on his chest and the big shield and the big spear and the tip of it that weighed 15 pounds. I mean. Listen, this is crazy that that a shepherd boy would fight a, a warrior like, a champion like Goliath. And so Goliath says, what am I, a dog that you come to me with sticks and stones? And he went on to say that he was gonna He cursed him, by the way, he cursed him, which by the way, when it says he cursed him right there, according to Genesis chapter number 12 and verse number three, God said, I'll bless those that bless you and I'll curse them that curse you. I'm telling you friends tonight, listen, Goliath cursed himself. So he says, come to me and I'll feed thy flesh. Verse number 44. And then David said to uh, the Philistine, thou comest to me with the sword and with the spear and with the shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. Hey, listen, there's confidence on both sides of this. Here's the giant who was confident in himself. And here's David who was confident. He was not arrogant. He was not proud. He was not, he was not talking smack, but here's what he was doing. He was saying, listen, I'm confident in who the, who the God is that I serve. And I know that he will deliver you into my hands. And, and so there's, there's confidence on both sides of this, whom thou hast defied. This day the Lord will deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. I just wonder how in the world he thought he was going to do that since he didn't have a sword, he, how he's going to just take a stick and just beat on him and, and try to do something there. But now I think David just is simply saying this, listen, you're, you're as good as dead. Goliath is saying to him, you're as good as dead. So who's going to be dead here? Wow, what a battle. But the last part of verse number 46 is so very important that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. That's the main point that all the earth may know. And so listen, folks, even every time that a little storybook for kids tells the story of David and Goliath, or every time that a, that a coach stands in a locker room and says, listen, this is a David and Goliath type situation and we're out manned. I mean, it's no, no doubt about that. Or every time that a, a business executive tries to inspire people to say, you know, this is definitely a David and Goliath situation. I'm talking not even secular people in the world referred to David and Goliath, isn't that right? Well, every time they do that, they're glorifying the God who gave Goliath into David's hands. Every single time, it says, "All this assembly shall know." Verse forty-seven: that The Lord saveth not with sword and spear; for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. Here, here's how David, in this impossible situation, and we we agreed on it that as as Goliath was facing David, this was an impossible situation. But here was David's focus. His focus was not on on the uh, intimidating size of the giant, but his focus was on the greatness of his God. So when you're facing an, an impossible situation, don't focus on the greatness or the size, the intimidating size of your problem, but focus on the greatness of your God. The Bible says that, that, that Goliath arose and they were going to go to battle. And that was David's cue. I love, I love what happens there as you see it. The Bible says that David ran. He did not run from the battle. He ran to the battle. And he took in his, in his bag there and he took the stone and he's going to sling the stone. Now, just a word about the stone. I mean, actually, the Benjamites, if you read Judges chapter 20, they used the sling. Uh, so this wasn't as much of an unconventional weapon as maybe you would think. But David would use that, that sling, and I, I studied this. And, you know, sometimes we kind of get the wrong idea about the size of the stone. We kind of think, you know, like pebble size. No, it's probably more like about two to three inches in diameter, almost like a tennis ball or a baseball. Now, that'll do some damage, <laughs> Right. And so that would be about the size of it. Now, I found two different individuals that said this, that said that whenever that, that sling was, was, was hurled, that a guy that knew what he's doing could hurl that up to about 100 miles an hour or 150 miles an hour. Whoo! Mercy. I mean, you think about some of these pitchers in the Major League Baseball that's throwing a baseball 100, 104 miles an hour. Jordan Hicks just yesterday was throwing about 100, 103, 104 miles an hour consistently. So here it is, you know, this, this young man, and, and as he was swinging, I mean, that's kind of crazy for me to think that that stone could fly that, with that kind of velocity, but about 100 miles an hour to 150 miles an hour, and he only had one spot. He only had one spot that was somewhat vulnerable, and that was right there in the forehead. And I don't even know, maybe they had that metal piece that would come down. Maybe Goliath thought, you know, this is, this is not a big deal. I'm, I'm keeping my helmet a little bit loose. I don't know what happened exactly. All I know is that David ran at him and then with one hurl, <laughs> he let her fly. And then that, that, that stone flew 100, I'm gonna say 150 miles an hour or so and like a heat seeking missile, bam! Right in the forehead of that ugly cranium
1: <laughs> and
0: sunk into the brain. But the Bible says something interesting, that Goliath did not fall backwards. If you get hit by about 150 mile an hour fastball, I'll guarantee you which way you're going, back. But I love how Melvin Williams uh, said this. He said, you know, I think it probably went like this. He got hit in the front by that stone and then God slapped him upside the back of his head. (laughs) Now that is nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible, that is some good preaching right there. Hey, listen, it wasn't David's skill, it wasn't David's power, it wasn't David's ability. Oh, sure, he had to do his part because no doubt as he was out there, I mean, I wonder how many times David had been saying, I'm going to hit that tree, I'm going to hit that tree, and just did it over and over. Hey, listen, he was ready for it. He's prepared for it. But listen, it wasn't his ability, it wasn't his skill, it wasn't his power, it was a great God that we serve too. It was God that did this. And David was not focused on, on the intimidating size of the giant. He looked beyond what he could see. And he saw the greatness of our God. Amen. So when you face a, a situation in your life that is, that is just impossible, and, and you're inclined, and I'm inclined to look at the intimidating size of whatever issue it is, issue it is that you're facing, we're, we're inclined to look at just how big that problem is just like Israel did. And when they looked at what they could see, they cowered in fear. And when they looked at David, they said, well, you're not very much. You're only 12 years old. (laughs) Or you're only 14 years old. You're only 15 years old. You haven't been to battle. Go home, David. That's what Eliab said. Go home, David. I know the naughtiness of your heart. But I'm glad David didn't go home. And I'm glad David didn't stop, but that he went out on that battlefield and, and God caused that big, that big giant just to, to fall there with a thud. And then David ran up to him and did just exactly like he said he would do. And he took that big uh, sword of Goliath. And, and can you imagine? <laughs> on the Israelite side, yeah! And on the Philistine side, no! <laughs> and man, he came down with that sword. And I don't know exactly how it went. It was just one whack. <laughs> Or your Bible's not boring. (laughs) The Bible says he's on top of him. And I mean, just it got gory. And then he picked up the head and carried it all the way to Jerusalem. And then he he wasn't going to let it go. He's carrying the sword and he's carrying the, the head of Goliath, not saying, look at me. He didn't mount it. But he came in and stood before Saul. Isn't that amazing? And he stood there. It makes me think Goliath must have had long hair or something. And he's standing there with that head, standing before Saul, who was supposed to be their warrior. And now God's hand is on David. You know why? Because David was looking beyond what he could see. And he saw the greatness of God rather than the greatness of his problem. Church, I, I thought about it. And I thought about some of the, some of the issues that, that even some right here in this auditorium are facing. Some right here are facing cancer. It would be very easy to focus on the intimidating situation right there. Some are facing some family situations that are very drawn out and very difficult. And it's very easy just to get focused on, on that situation. You know, and sometimes when there's a big old ugly giant, not you both, Stephen, but Goliath, <laughs> breathing on you and, and just staring you down. And, that, and it's right there. I mean, sometimes that's, that's our issue. It's like our problem. That's all that we can see. We can't see beyond it. I'm just looking at that problem. Does that make sense? You got a school year coming up, pray with some young people that were praying this week that God would help them stand strong at school, not give in. That's what they prayed, not give in to the, to the temptations that were around them, but that God would use them. They, they basically prayed like what, that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel, that there's a God in, in, in my life, that, that, that all the earth may know. I mean, they had a heart and a desire. I want to be used of God at my school. And they were praying that way. And it seems intimidating. There's some here that are fighting some addictions, fighting some, uh, some real strongholds. I'm going to use that word, some strongholds in your life. And it's beat you down and it's beat you down. And it seems like it's only getting continue to get the victory. And you're, you're weak or maybe, you know, who you are, you feel so inadequate. Do you realize this, this evening that your inadequacy may be your qualification to being used of God? Don't focus. May God help us tonight not to focus on the intimidating size of the problem that we're facing, but may God help us to look beyond what we see to see just how great God is. Listen, we're, we're facing a, a situation in, in our country and, and you could get so focused on what's going on here and get uh, hopeless and, and such, but let's look beyond what we see and see that God's still in control. And God's still at work and God's still doing a great work in, in our midst. And we can still trust him. Instead of running from the battle, let's run to the battle. And young people, did you see what happened when, when David did what God wanted him to do? You know what that did? That stirred up the whole nation. Did you see that? Because then they got up and they shouted and they ran into the battle. And, and then a greater victory was won. Hey, you never know how God may use you to inspire the faith of others if you'll just do what God wants you to do. And look beyond what you see and, and don't look at the intimidating size of the problem, but focus on the greatness of your God. It can inspire others. They chased them 10 miles. God did a wonderful work. What's your focus tonight? Is it on the size of the giant that's in front of you? Or is it on the greatness of the God who's called you to it? Life has a way of being intimidating, doesn't it? You know, and what you're called to do. Maybe it may even be this. You've been asked to teach a a four-year-old class. And they're not giants. They're little, but it can be intimidating to you. Isn't that right? Being a parent is intimidating. Being married, maybe some in the very first year of marriage, you have no idea how you're going to pay all your bills. And they just keep coming. It's intimidating. Don't focus on the intimidating size of your problems. Focus on the greatness of your God. Let's stand together here tonight. David's confidence was in the Lord. Tonight, whatever it is in your life that seems like an impossible situation or a difficult situation, I wanna encourage you tonight, like David, get your focus on the greatness of God in that situation. What about God applies to your situation? Remember tonight, he's omnipresent. He's all knowing. He's omniscient. He's he's omnipotent. He's all powerful. And thank God, He's caring and loving in our situation. Father, tonight I thank you that you help us to get our eyes off of ourselves, to get our eyes off of the situation that is at hand, and to get our eyes back on you. And I pray, dear God, that you'd help us, Lord. Uh, Lord, we know that you are the same today as you were in the days of David. And so, Father, as as some of the dear church families are facing some situations that are intimidating in their size, the size of the problem that is at hand. God, I pray that you'd help them to focus, help us all to focus on your greatness rather than the size of the issues that are coming against us, I pray in Jesus' name.